morning, Fellowship family. I'm so glad that you're here this morning, that you came uh, to worship, to remember who God is and what he's done for us and to celebrate that. I want to read a psalm for us this morning. This is Psalm 33, and it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. My name is Jimmy Cook. I'm one of the worship leaders here. And I want to extend an invitation to you all. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, we have the joyful responsibility of extolling his praise, of speaking and singing about his goodness. That's our, that's our responsibility and our privilege this morning. And if you're here and you're not sure about God, and this is a new experience and you're wondering what's, what is God all about, I want you to listen this morning. And I want you to try and taste and see, experience this morning the goodness of God. That's my invitation to you. So would you stand with us as we sing? Right. 
If you can have a seat. Hey, happy Father's Day. Let's, let's give a hand to our fathers in here. Hey, uh, there's a ministry that we partner with that I've talked about multiple times. It's called Furniture Friends. And basically what they do is they take furniture that's been donated to them and they loan it out to international students who've come here to the U of A who might not be able to afford uh, furniture to themselves. And to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous to talk about them because every time I make an announcement about Furniture Friends, and I'm not just talking about some of the times uh, or often, I'm talking about every time I talk about Furniture Friends, some of you text me, email, or call me and say, hey, Pope, I've got a couch. When are you going to come pick it up? <laughs> and I just want to let you know, I'm not your guy for that. Uh, but we do have somebody, so if you need somebody uh, to come pick it up, this guy is ready <laughs> for you. You can email him. He just got back from a great trip. He's rested. He's ready to go for you. No, actually, uh, to, to have them come by and, and get something from you, super easy. You go to furniturefriends.co not com, furniturefriends.co, and there's a huge donate, donate button right there in the middle. You can't miss it. Or you can figure out where you can go and drop off furniture. It's right off of Greg Street. Uh, super easy uh, to do. But that's not why I wanted to talk about them. Why I wanted to talk about them is they've partnered uh, with the Naturals for a fundraiser, and so we want to invite y'all to come uh, to a game, come be a part of it. Uh, I think... Um, half of the proceeds goes to Furniture Friends, and so it's going to help out and bless their ministry. And basically what you do is just scan this QR code by yourself, uh, or it'll be seen as a donation. Uh, just 
put your name on there and you show up at the stadium and just tell them your name and you'll get a ticket to get in. Or we plan on going with our international students. Uh, if you wanted to, if you don't like baseball and would still like to bless them, you could do this and just say, hey, you're buying a ticket for an international student and we'll be able to take some of our students there uh, to enjoy a baseball game. So we wanted to invite y'all out uh, to be part of that and it's gonna bless a great great ministry that we love uh, so much. Hey, speaking of which, uh, we talked about Father's Day. We want to do something a little bit different, uh, a little bit special um, this Father's Day, is that we have one of our students here, Doyne. Would you come on up? Doyne is from Nigeria, and if you were here during our Ephesians study, uh, you might have uh, remembered he's, he's one of the ones that we brought up to, to read scripture in his uh, native language uh, for us. And Doyne, matter of fact, I just found out his family is back in Nigeria right now um, on the live stream watching this service. And so Doyne, if you kind of look straight back there, we can wave to your family <laughs> in Nigeria right now. And... Um, Dwayne's here getting his PhD in physics, and it's been almost a year now since he's been able to see his family. And his wife has been accepted here to get her PhD, but they've been experiencing just very difficult visa problems, and she has not been approved to get here. So we just, as a body, we just wanted to rally around him. Uh, he's gotten so plugged in at our church. It's probably not a Sunday that he misses. He's in uh, the men's study now, and... Um, he's just a part of our church family. And so as a family, we just wanted to pray uh, for his family. So would you just join in me and just pray uh, that his wife's visa, that God would just open up the doors um, for that to happen. God, we just want to lift up Dwayne to you and his family and his three kids, Caleb, David, and Eden, dear Lord. It's been almost a year now since he's been able to be with them and I know he just desperately misses them. And around Christmas time, we just thought those doors were gonna be open, dear Lord, and uh, they still haven't been. And so God, we're just praying on his behalf, dear God, for you to open up those doors. Um, we would love to have his entire family here. I know he misses them so much. And um, just on this Father's Day, dear Lord, um, God, we pray that you would do a miracle and you would make it happen. In your name, amen.
together as a way to remember who we are before God, that we are in need of a Savior. So if you have something on your heart right now, just take a couple of seconds, just confess that privately to the Lord, and then we'll read this together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a Savior. Church, there's good news. For those of us who are in Christ, we have a Savior. That's why we gather, we celebrate, we sing. So church, believe the good news. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, 
we have forgiveness of sin. In him we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. the highest would welcome I was lost but he brought me in oh his love for me oh his love chosen. You have not forsaken us, Lord. We are loved by you so much so that you sent your son to die on a cross in our place, Father. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, God. 
And we give you all the honor and glory, Father, because you are worthy. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Hi, Fellowship family. This is Pastor Matt Hodges from Win First Assembly of God. I just wanted to send a heartfelt thank you for your donation and gift to our community here in Wynn. Uh, behind me is a house of one of our members of our church. And as you can see, it's been pretty devastated from the tornado, pretty much a total loss. And because of your generosity and your help, we were able to gift this family some money to help them with their immediate needs and other families just like the jumpers uh, with needs in their own lives. And so we just wanna say thank you from the bottom of our heart and we're so glad that we're part of the family of God. Hey, Fellowship Church, my name is Jeff Redding and I'm on staff at Pine Lake Church in Mississippi and I wanted to reach out and just say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Not too long ago, tornadoes wreaked havoc across our state and it wasn't very long after that. One of your elders, Mickey Rapier, he reached out and wanted to know how you guys could pray for us, but he also sent us a very generous gift on your behalf that's gone to families and people all across our state directly that were impacted by those tornadoes. We've been able to tell them there's a church in Northwest Arkansas that believes what we believe, that there's a God in the heavens who loves them. We've been able to take them the love of Jesus because of your generosity. It overwhelmed us, it encouraged us, and it just reminded us we're not in this alone. So it's a privilege for us and an honor really to partner with you to see the kingdom come and to bring the love of Jesus to people that are hurting. And so I just wanted to say thank you for your generosity. Pray you never stop being a generous church and I hope you have a great week. Whenever we open that disaster relief portal, you are so generous. We, over the last eight months, have helped churches and people in Turkey, Mississippi, Springdale with the tornado that happened there last year, uh, with wind, with Little Rock down in Mississippi, as he just mentioned. Uh, over the last eight months, we've given away over $220,000 uh, to these areas. Yeah, yeah. And that's because of your generosity. With two families, you see them on the screen now. One of our staff members here at Fellowship Fable, Olivia Frazier, is from Wynn, and she helped us identify two families in Wynn who their homes were total losses. They didn't have insurance. And uh, she was able to help me get connected with them. And I asked both families, I, I called them, and I said, if we were able to help you, what would you do? And they said, we would uh, get houses. We, we would get housing for our families. You can see the gentleman there uh, on your left. He broke his back. He was covering his children during the tornado. And uh, it, it was devastating. But, I mean, they wept is that I told them what we were going to do for them. And so I just wanted to say thank you this morning. Uh, all too often we ask you to donate to things and we don't come back and say thank you, but we want to say thank you for your generosity because it's making a difference in the lives of these people. And Pastor Hodges there shared Christ with both of these families uh, when he was conveying the check to them on our behalf. And so I appreciate all of you so much and uh, your work in this. We are in the book of First Peter, and so if you would turn there, and I'm going to read our passage, and I'm, it's not going to be on the screen, I just want you to listen to it. Listen to what Peter 
is saying to these people who lived in the northern province of Turkey. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you... You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, special possession, a holy nation that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy. Peter is talking to this group in northern Turkey who are living in a pagan society hostile to Christianity. Sound familiar? If you think that we are not living in a society that's hostile to Christianity, then you never watch the news and you're in a hole somewhere and I am jealous. Because there's a definite bias toward Christianity in our culture right now. Our society is changing quickly. During the terroristic acts of 9-11, People turn in our society turn to one another for comfort and for help. Less than 20 years later, when COVID came, people turned against one another in every way you can imagine, even within the church. When 9-11 happened, I watched them. When we opened the doors the night of the 9-11 attacks as they streamed into our worship center just to come and pray, people who had never prayed before. Less than 20 years later, all we could do was attack, attack, attack. Peter is speaking to a people who are living under the weight of Nero's persecution. Persecution of Christians had become a sport. It wasn't legalized quite yet, but it would be soon. Unity in the church during this time was absolutely essential. And so Peter told the young churches to mature in their salvation because unity 
comes through maturity in the faith. And Peter will show them how to declare the praises of the one who called them out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Even though they were struggling beneath the weight of Roman persecution, Peter doesn't doesn't cut them any slack. He doesn't say, hey, you guys, I know it's tough up there. You hang in there. Call Brian if you need some furniture moved. Praying for you. Now, what does he say to them? Be holy. We read that back in chapter one. He says, be holy. 1, 15 to 16, look what it says. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Garland illustrated this for you last week as he defined just what holiness is. It's the doctrine of sanctification, of being separated from the world and unto God. We are the church. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's something of a head scratcher for us, isn't it? How are we to be in the world, but not of the world? How is it that we won't be tainted by that? Is J.C. go here? Is he in the service today? I, I think Bart told me he may be out of town. But uh, Jay was a, a captain of a Navy ship. Might not know that. And you see, the, the Navy ship, this is the best illustration that I can think of for it. The, the ship has a special relationship with the water. A ship is supposed to be in the water. You take this ship out of the water and put it on land, it can't fulfill its purpose. But you see, the problem comes is when the water starts getting in the boat. It's supposed to be in the water, but when the water starts getting in the boat, that's where the problem comes. It's Peter is saying to the people in northern Turkey, don't let the water get in the boat. Don't act like the world. We're supposed to be separate. It's, it's separation from the world is not isolation from it. It's contact without contamination. And the only way we are able to maintain that is to pursue holiness and maturity in Christ. The pride celebrations are going on all over the world right now in our country, state, cities. Let me tell you something. We have Fellowship Bible Church. We do not hate. Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas, which is us, we do not hate or despise anyone. Ever. We are called to love. But when the Bible says something is sin, we will call it sin. When the Bible says something is wrong, we will call it wrong. And we will always hold out our hands for those practicing willful disobedience to give them a way home. To follow what God has called us to follow. Because scripture says we are to be holy. Therefore, he says, this leads us to verse one. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Malice. 
Malice. Say that word. Malice. Malice, what is that? It's to desire to cause harm to someone. It's when we go the opposite from what Jesus told us to do. We're not to hate anyone or anything. We are to love. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to express that love so that people see Jesus in us. You can't do that if you practice malice. Because malice is the desire to cause harm to someone. Deceit is to mislead someone. I've known people through the years, they, they're one way in church, but in business, they're, in another, they're another way. They deceive someone. That's not what we're supposed to do. Hypocrisy, pretending to be something we're not. Envy, jealous feelings towards someone because of a real or perceived advantage. We just can't stand it because they have more than we do, or they have a higher position than we have. Slander, words intended to harm or ruin a person's reputation. That's where we share false accusations against someone. Gossip may be true, but we still shouldn't be saying it. What's Peter saying? He's saying that these are a few attributes of someone who is not seeking to be holy. He said, if these things characterize you, then you're not growing in your faith. You're not maturing. That is not what it is to be holy. Verse two, he says, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If you deprive a baby of milk, what happens? You have a lot of noise. I've got a five-month-old granddaughter, and man, she looks so content when she's holding that bottle up there. She's content. You take it away, and oh, she doesn't like that. She'll even wake up at three o'clock in the morning and let you know she wants her bottle because she craves that milk. And this is a strong Greek word, this crave. He says crave spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. To illustrate this, I want you to think about a time in your life. I thought about this word crave. A time in your life when you didn't have any water. And, and you craved water. You had cotton mouth. And you couldn't even work up any saliva. How many of you can relate to a time in your life when you had that? Yeah, all over the room. And I remember back in our football practice, back in the 70s in the Delta with the heat and the mosquitoes. And, you know, our coaches didn't believe in hydrating. When I'm working the Razorback practices, they're always telling them, hydrate, guys, hydrate, hydrate. Not us. Before we went out to practice, there was a big jar of salt pills, and you would take those salt pills. And then you go out and practice, and we had one water break in the middle of a two-hour practice. There was an old knee-high hydrant down at the end of the field, and we all, they'd say, take a break. We'd run down there, and you'd get in line, and you'd splash that water on your face, and you would drink, 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 drink as much as you could, and a whole line of guys behind you saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. But you think about that time when you just, your mouth is so dry. You don't have any water, and you just crave just a drink, just, just, a, just a, a little bit of water on, on your tongue. He says, that's the way we are. So we're supposed to be about our faith. We're to crave that spiritual milk, that maturity, that growth, so that we can grow up 
in our salvation. Do you crave Jesus like that in the thirsty moments of your life? By craving spiritual milk, we mature. If you want a challenge in life, you don't need to climb Mount Everest. You don't need to run a marathon. You don't need to be a triathlete. Those are okay if you want to do those things. But if you want the greatest challenge in life, try to live the Christian life. Try to live as Jesus would have you live because we have an enemy who will try to undermine you at every point. And he will always be there. It's the greatest challenge in life to live as he would have us live. Well, verse two, like newborn babies, crave that spiritual milk now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He's, Psalm, he's quoting Psalm 34, 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because once you've tasted that spiritual milk, you can't go back. You'll be miserable. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You can't live like a hypocrite and be happy with your life and be happy where you are because the, the Holy Spirit in you is tugging, pulling, always reminding you. You've tasted that spiritual milk. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to go forward in order to be fulfilled. These next verses remind us that Jesus is greater than anything. He was greater than the temple. He fulfilled the law, so he's greater than the law. He's, he's greater than the stone idols of the Gentiles. He's greater than all things. He is the cornerstone. Verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone. He's not dead. He's alive. In verse 3 of the last chapter, he was called the living hope. In verse 23, he's called the living word. And now he's called the living stone. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, honored or priceless or invaluable to God. You also, wait a second. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's saying here that we are the living stones. We are living stones connected to the living stone, Jesus Christ, being built into a spiritual house. When you think about those living stones, think about this, a building block. We're, we're building blocks being built on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, but we're also connected to one another. We're not meant to do it alone. And he illustrates this through scriptures from the Old Testament. First of all, from Isaiah, he says, for in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Christ is the foundational cornerstone, the the principal cornerstone on which we rest. The cornerstone literally means this, the head of the corner. The alignment of everything that is built is dependent on this cornerstone. In order to be effective in our calling, we must rely on the cornerstone for everything. Verse seven, now to you who believe the stone is precious. 
This stone is precious, priceless, invaluable. I keep giving you other words because when I think of precious, I think of precious moments. And I, I just can't do that. I can't go there when I'm thinking about Jesus. You know, it's not a precious moments character. Priceless, invaluable, honored to God. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone from Psalm 118. And from Isaiah 8, 14, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. When we see people who are disobeying the message, who are running away from God, we should feel compassion. Not disdain or hate. They don't understand what you have discovered in the word of God. They stumble because they disobey. And I would add that we were all destined for stumbling before we trusted Christ as our Savior. That's the destiny of those who are lost. And then verse 9. But you. The you, he says to those people living in a pagan society hostile to Christians. You are a chosen people. Chosen by God's grace. We did nothing to deserve his favor. Chosen a royal priesthood, the honor of being set apart for his glory. A holy nation, God's special possession. We belong to him. We were bought at a price. And then these next three words. That you may. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have a purpose. If you didn't have a purpose for living, you would have died right after you trusted Christ as your Savior. There would have been no reason for you to stay on this planet. But you have a purpose. That you may declare the praises. It's why we're here. And, and, and I, it's something interesting here. People is talking to a, peop, a, a group. They're living in very dark circumstances. Many of them are going to lose their lives under the persecution of Nero. Peter, in just a couple of years, will die because of what he believes. And he's talking to them about light. He said, hey, there's light out there. And you've been called to it. He considered a privilege for them to fulfill their calling to be believer priest. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself a priest? A believer priest? It's what the scripture says. You know, for some of us, we get a little uncomfortable with that because all you, your only reference is, is to a priest in a Catholic church. And you say, no, that's not me. That's not me. No, scripture says you are a believer priest. You have been called to this. Now, we know that Christ is the mediator between God and man, not a man. That's why the, the curtain of that temple was torn in two at the death of Christ from top to bottom. It was torn in two so that we might have access to God. So Jesus is our mediator through his death, burial, and resurrection. But we are called to be believer priests. What does that mean? Well, whenever you hear that term, this is what I want you to think of. Every member 
ministry. Every member ministry. You have something that you've been called to do. You have a purpose for being here. Every one of you. The church doesn't work if, if 20% 20 of the people are doing 80% of the work. Gary, I think back to those days when we were at Oakdale and, and, and Oakdale Junior High School back over 30 years ago. And, and every Sunday morning, we had to get there early. And you, we had to haul all the baby beds and all the sound equipment out of those crates that were kept outside. And August, man, that was tough. But we had the great part of our congregation. They were involved in that. They were invested in it. They didn't just get to come in here and sit down. It's every member ministry, all of us doing our part. Michael and I were pondering this week about all the believer priests here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and the list just kept going on and on and on and on as we named people. Those college students, who I'm amazed at the number of college students who come here and they serve in the hour that they're not worshiping. They are believer priests. This congregation is filled. There are four basic sacrifices of a believer priest. They're found in Romans chapter 1, in Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. I'm not going to take time to read those. I'm going to point them out to you. You do it later. I'm running out of time, and you're running out of patience. And so you read those later, but here are the four sacrifices you're going to find in, in these two passages of Scripture. You go study them later because they, they're good gauges for you to check about your own life. The body. Am I using my body for God's purposes, for noble purposes? Praise. Am I praising God regularly with the great congregation? Am I praising him all days of the week through my thoughts, my words, my attitudes, my actions? Am I declaring his praise so that others might know and be drawn to that wonderful and marvelous light? Service. Have I found my place of service? You know, we talk about worshiping one hour and serving one hour around here. Have I found my place where I can be used of God to meet the needs of other people. And in stewardship, am I faithfully stewarding my time, my talent, my treasure? We could spend all day talking about these things. But for the believer priests, every member ministry, which, by the way, is one of our core beliefs here at Fellowship, the priesthood of the believer. We are to give our lives away for what God has called us to do. Verse 10, he says, once you were not a people, but now are you the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That sort of knocks universalism in the head. There's a doctrine floating around out there that, that Jesus died for everybody. So if you've been born, you're going to heaven. This says no. It says once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There is a time when we don't know him. And that's part of our purpose is to call people to that. They had received this wonderful mercy and grace of Jesus. And Peter challenges them, keep on going. Don't stop. Keep on going. 
Be holy. Be holy. Be separated from the world and unto God. Don't let the water get in the boat. Be connected to the cornerstone because you are living stones. You are building blocks. And you're being built into a spiritual house. And he knew if they did that, they would make a difference. Here's the question. Did they? Did they? When Jesus died, around 33 AD, it's thought that there were probably several hundred people who were Christians, who had followed Christ. And then we know that at the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 added and, and, and there were more. At one point, Paul said that everyone in the province of Asia had, has followed me. And, and, and then another time, he said, everybody in the province of Asia has left me. So there were ups and downs, but it's estimated that there were a few thousand Christians. By the time Peter was writing this around 65 AD. But here's the deal. By the 4th century, by the 4th century when Constantine legalized Christianity, over 60% of the Roman Empire were followers of Christ. I would say they made an impact. They did it. These people living in a Pagan society, hostile to Christianity, gave their lives away for it, and they made a difference. And you know what? You and I ought to be thankful to God that they did because the gospel just kept traveling west to us. Here's the question for all of us as we prepare our hearts for communion today. Remembering what Christ has done for us. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with what we have been given in Christ? This word that tells us how we ought to live. We have all the instructions we need right here. Right here. What are you going to do with it? If you would, would you just bow for a moment? As I said, we're preparing our hearts for communion, so don't leave. But I just want you to pray something. I'm not going to pray for you. I want you to pray right where you are. What is the next step in my walk with Christ? What is the next step of faith in my walk with Christ? Maybe you're young and you're just not sure and, and you need some help. I, I, I encourage you to, to grab an older brother or sister and say, help me find my place. Pray for me. Or maybe you're older and you say, you know what? I've done my time. Nope. We never arrive. We never retire as believers in Christ. God always has something new for us. Just take a moment in the silence and ask the Lord, what's the next step for me, Lord? What would you have me do?
Remember, you are a living stone connected to the living stone.
dwelling place. He is our cornerstone. He's worthy of building our life on. And we come to him only through the sacrifice of Jesus. So would you sing this with me? That's what it'll be one day, dressed in his righteousness alone, his righteousness, faultless to stand before the throne. And so as we come to take communion, I picture those Christians in northern Turkey during the time of Peter, probably gathered in those houses, afraid for their lives, but remembering what Christ had told them to do in order 
to commemorate his death. And so we link arms across the ages to those brothers and sisters Peter was writing to. And we say yes and amen. This is his body broken for you. Take, eat, and remember. The cup represents his blood that was shed for us. As we take it, look for him. Look for him because he will come again. Take and drink. Look for him. Have a great week, fellowship.